Welcome into Instant Anatomy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Analysis, this one following the Alabama Crimson Tide's 33-18 loss to the Georgia Bulldogs in the college football playoff national championship game in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Bulldogs ride a 20-9 fourth quarter to take their first national championship since 1980. 41 long years for UGA between national championships. From Herschel Walker to, well, Stetson Bennett, it is the University of Georgia on top of the college football world for the 2021 season. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you here on the podcast. We'll get into a number of different angles with this game. Certainly most of that will have to do from the Alabama perspective. That's why you're here, right? Well, for Alabama, in a lot of ways, it was a case of a season finally catching up to the Crimson Tide. There had already been losses of significance for UA throughout the 2021 season, most recently in the SEC championship game with John Mechie going out with an ACL in round one against Georgia, a 41-24 win for the Crimson Tide. And by the way, don't let the events of Monday night in Indianapolis devalue that accomplishment. SEC championships still matter at the University of Alabama. Even with 18 national titles, when you go down to the, I guess it's the east end of the Hank Crisp Indoor Facility there at the adjacent to the Malmore Athletic Complex, athletic facility there, they put those SEC championships up there too on that wall. So still a very, very impressive season for Alabama. 13-2, and two. and again, sometimes the season catches up with you. And it certainly felt that way following the catch by Jamison Williams there for 40 yards. Early in the second quarter, he busts the seam for 40. That would prove to be, uh, when you talk about Alabama receptions in the game, uh, Cameron Latou did have the 61-yarder, the catch and run there. Uh, and finished with 102 receiving yards. So Cam stepped up. He did have a drop in the end zone that resulted in a field goal there that seemed costly at the time, but he then came back with a touchdown catch down in the red zone as well. So Cameron Latou was Alabama's 100-yard receiver in the national championship game, and at the time of his injury, Jamison Williams, four catches for 65 yards. More than anything, you hate it for Jamison. Big stage like this, but also considering... You know, what's on the line for him big picture-wise from a professional standpoint and seeing him in all these first-round mocks and, you know, just a couple of quarters away from obtaining life-changing money, uh, a salary, and those type of things. We'll see exactly how this plays out for Jamison Williams from that perspective in the aftermath. But with Jamison Williams out, then you're pretty much looking at Slade Bolden, Ja'Cory Brooks, 
who opened the game in 11 personnel with Slade Bolden and Jamison Williams. And now you're coming with Treshawn Holden. You're coming with Ajay Hall, who had a pretty big catch in the game. Two catches for 52 yards for Ajay. Um, you know, and that's what you're looking at at the wide receiver position. You saw more 12 personnel for Alabama, more two tight ends. And some of that paid off in the form of Latou. Would have liked to have gotten more out of Jalil Billingsley. Just didn't seem to be Jalil's night once again on the biggest stage in all of college football. Uh, the run game gave it a go. I know a lot of folks, a lot of Bama fans on social media on my timeline calling for more runs to Brian Robinson. He did finish with 22 attempts in the game for 68 yards. Long run of 16 yards, 3.1 per carry. He knew it was going to be tough sledding. If I had a preference for Brian Robinson in the game in hindsight, in retrospect, it would have been Brian Robinson catching the football more, more targets out of the backfield. Because when Alabama did that in the second half, he caught four balls for 28 yards, and you knew Georgia was going to be playing downhill from the safeties to the linebackers, right on through the front in terms of coming after Bryce Young. And that was the case. And one of the ways Alabama effectively dealt with that, in addition to getting Latou involved at the tight end position, was in the second half, Brian Robinson was able to give the Crimson Tide some of that. He finishes the game with 96 scrimmage yards on 26 touches. And for Bryce Young, 57 pass attempts, that's a ton I believe that may be a school record. I would think it is. We'll have to see. I have to check on that. I hadn't confirmed that as of this recording. But Bryce goes 35 of 57, 369 with a touchdown and a couple of interceptions. The last one there sealed the deal in a 26-18 game there in the fourth quarter. Uh, Ringo for Georgia with the interception, which he runs back for a touchdown. And again, even on that play, You had a couple of receivers for Alabama in the area, so it goes back to, as much as anything, experience in the offense. You know, Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay Hall showed you in some situations on Monday night that they're going to be very, very good in a year's time, assuming they do the things required. And I think for Ja'Cory, that's not even really a a question. More so maybe for Ajay, you know, is he going to have the stick-to-itiveness and the focus to take care of what he needs to do to make that jump to top three in the rotation type of availability. But even with these injuries to Mechie and Jamison Williams now, you have to wonder about are they slam dunks for the NFL? Um, Those are big decisions that have to be made here in the next few days. So going to be a lot of intrigue where this Alabama wide receiver rotation is concerned in terms of who's staying, who's going. You know, Alabama, once again, with on paper a very strong recruiting class coming in. The transfer portal still available for Alabama like it was last spring with Jamison Williams making the decision to come in. And I think not to knock these young receivers because, again, given the circumstances, I thought they performed about as well as you reasonably could have hoped given the number of them that was asked to jump in there. This wasn't just one guy. This just wasn't two guys. By the time you got into the second quarter of the national championship game, you know, you were rolling a couple of three guys in there that aren't guys that, frankly, you went into even late November thinking that if everything works out okay, 
These guys aren't going to be a big part of our rotation. Then Ja'Cory Brooks steps up against Auburn and gives you a heroic performance. And you know, with the injury to Williams, again, and you could see maybe as much as anything the comfort level that Bryce has already been able to achieve with Trayshawn Holden. Uh, really looked Trayshawn's way a number of times. Eight targets for Trayshawn Holden. Six catches for 28 yards. And with some of these guys... Those numbers are where the rub comes in and also gives you an idea of why Alabama, back after the spring game last April, said, you know what, we got to go out and get a guy like Jamison Williams. We got to be more dynamic. We got to be more explosive um, because the explosiveness of the offense, when you removed Williams from the equation to go along with Mechie, uh, you had some problems. And even in the red zone, uh, again, you, you missed John Mechie because. Uh, you've got some situations against a pass rush and a pressure scheme like George's where the ball's got to come out early. And so your receivers have to be absolutely precise and twitchy at the top of the route. And on at least one occasion on Monday night, Bryce wasn't able to hook up with Trayshawn Holden. He had pressure coming. Trayshawn wasn't exactly clean at the top of the route there. He had the Georgia defender a safety beat, uh, but the timing, you know, the, the the cleanliness of the the operation just wasn't quite there between quarterback and wide receiver. And look, this is all to the good for 2022 if you're an Alabama fan, where we talk about these young receivers. And again, it's not meant to knock them. It just speaks to the inexperience that Alabama was eventually left with at that position. Slade Bolden, seven catches for 44 yards. You just didn't really have, once Jamison Williams went out, at the wide receiver position, uh, Ajay Hall gave you a couple of explosives, so that was a good thing, but not as much of that down-in, down-in threat where explosive plays are concerned. Defensively for Alabama, I thought for three quarters, it was exactly the type of effort that you had to get, especially once Williams went out. Uh, Georgia in the second half had a good bit deal more success with the backs, especially in the run game. Georgia ends up with 140 rushing yards in the game and a rushing touchdown for Zamir White there in the second half. Zamir White, 13 carries for 84 yards. James Cook had the explosive. He had the 67-yarder there in the third quarter where he hit the little cutback and you know, we talk about inexperience and the season catching up with Alabama. That was the case at corner, too. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry had a couple of issues. Kyrie Jackson beaten for a touchdown there in the fourth quarter on a play that started with an offside penalty, which gave Stetson Bennett all the freedom in the world to take a shot, which he did so very effectively. And... Uh, you know, got a great catch there in a 50-50 type situation uh, from Adane Mitchell, the Georgia wide receiver working against uh, Kyrie Jackson. So uh, Georgia made the plays in the fourth quarter. And I don't want this to sound like, well, uh, if Colt hadn't gotten hurt. Again, the season catches up with everybody. Georgia wasn't whole as a football team either. We had talked about Adam Anderson, one of Georgia's best pass rushers, being out for the last six or seven games due to a sexual assault charge that he was hit with around the eighth game of the season. So the season catches up. 
with every team out there, and especially when you start playing 14 or 15 games, uh, and that was especially the case for Alabama since the Iron Bowl, really. You know, the SEC championship game with Mechie going out in the first half. Really, when you think about it, Auburn, Georgia, round one, Georgia, round two. Mechie R. Williams didn't play more than a quarter and a half or didn't play two full quarters in any of those three games. And Alabama still managed to go two and one through that stretch. That's not that bad when you think about the importance of those guys. So uh, Alabama on third downs, you look at those numbers pretty good, 9 of 20. Not so good later in the game. But, again, I thought Bryce was was really solid. You know, obviously you don't like the turnovers. I'm not going to put too much on him for the last one. I thought Alabama, maybe this was on Bryce, maybe this was on Bill O'Brien. In an eight-point game, was maybe a little bit panicky in terms of trying to take some shots down the field when, again, maybe you can work the tight end, maybe you can work Brian Robinson out of the backfield, stay a little more patient there. It didn't happen. You end up with two receivers in the same area. And uh, Ringo ends up with the with the interception and the pick six uh, for a touchdown. But Bryce throws for 369, just one touchdown pass in the game. You know, kind of figured Stetson Bennett from a ball security standpoint would be a big part of this game. Alabama did a really good job of getting after Stetson Bennett for about three quarters. Uh, the Crimson Tide with with four uh, four sacks in the game. Not credited with a quarterback hurry. Now, neither was Georgia. So, from a stats broadcast perspective, maybe that's not a stat that was kept uh, for the game uh, on Monday evening. But, sacks, Alabama with four. Uh, what about Dallas Turner? Once again, by the way, Dallas Turner showing up big with two more sacks on a night in which Will Anderson didn't have a sack. Will did have a pass breakup. And then you got two sacks from Christian Harris, who also had three tackles for loss. And, of course, the forced fumble, as it was ruled, against Stetson Bennett there in the third quarter. Brian Branch with a very nonchalant recovery over on the Georgia sideline. Alabama in business. The Crimson Tide goes into the end zone. Goes up five. The two-point conversion is no good. But, again, give Georgia credit. The dogs didn't blink for a change. And... You know, there's a lot of pressure that comes off of you when you know um, you've got a defense that is going to keep you uh, in the game. And so, uh, but 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 the Georgia offense did respond, no doubt about it. Alabama takes the 18 to 13 lead there uh, with about 10 minutes to go in the football game, and Georgia goes down and gets aggressive. I think Georgia felt like at that point, Stetson Bennett's our guy. If we're going to win this game with him, we're going to have to ask him to make some plays. And Stetson Bennett did it. Hit a couple of throws. Had some off coverage working against Kool-Aid McKinstry. Jermaine Burton ran some really nice routes for Georgia on back-to-back plays. The first one was able to turn around Kool-Aid on an 18-yard hitch from Stetson Bennett. A lot of room to work with over there. And then on a sort of hitch-and-go, the very next snap, Jermaine Burton uh, 
gets Kyrie Jackson in a tough spot, and I thought Kyrie did what he had to do there. He was beaten badly, so he essentially tackles Jermaine Burton and gives up the 15-yard pass interference. Uh, Stetson Bennett comes right back, pass to the left to Kenny McIntosh, the running back for 10 yards, and then he's sacked for an 8-yard loss by Dallas Turner, and then you're thinking, wow, second and 18 for Georgia from the Alabama 40, but you get the offsides against Tim Smith. That's been a problem for Tim in his two seasons at Alabama to this point. Uh, a little bit of the pre-snap movement, getting caught right there on the football. And with the free play, Stetson Bennett didn't hesitate. Went right back at Kyrie Jackson, and uh, it was Mitchell for Georgia who came up with it there in the corner of the end zone. The two-point conversion, another great play by Dallas Turner, by the way. Uh, you know, James Cook can really fly the running back for Georgia. And Dallas Turner, as an outside linebacker, made it look pretty easy in dropping Cook two yards behind the line of scrimmage. You don't get a tackle for loss officially on those on extra points, but when you combine that with the two sacks for Dallas Turner, uh, it was really three TFLs for the true freshman in the game. And then, you know, Alabama comes back. It's a three and out on the ensuing possession. Um down one, you start the drive trying to get Brian going. He loses two yards. Jordan Davis makes a play behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then you just, you're not able to get a lot of separation with what you got left at the wide receiver position. And again, what makes that tough is that this is not a stellar Georgia secondary, as we saw in the first go around. And by the way, there was nothing fluky about the 421 in the first go around. Alabama protected well. Uh, Alabama had John Mechie for close to two quarters, uh, had Jamison Williams for four, and just simply lit up a very average Georgia secondary. But the Georgia secondary with a couple of interceptions in this one. The first one from Bryce, double coverage there, and it almost looked like Jalil Billingsley didn't think he was on. Like He was running this sort of slot fade in which – it, it, it was it was almost as if he felt like he was a decoy the way he was running the route. But uh, Georgia with a couple of takeaways that's been a that's been a staple for Alabama. Um, you know, in that seven game win streak had been a staple for Alabama in that seven game win streak. Uh, typically being better as far as turnover margin is concerned, Alabama comes up on the short end of turnovers. Uh, wrong end of turnovers in this one, committing two on Bryce Young interceptions. And, of course, Stetson had the fumble there in the third quarter. Alabama's two losses this season. I think the only two games are – yeah, the only two games where they ended up on the wrong side of of uh, turnover margin. Red zone, look, the good news, Alabama converts 4-4. Four four. The bad news, not enough of those were touchdowns. You had um, – you know, some some nice kicks from Will Reichard. That's a good thing to have a, a kicker of Will's uh, ability. But you know, when basically three of those uh, field goals are of the red zone variety, you're left to to wonder if maybe you left a little money on the table. And I think that came back to be true uh, in this one. So for Alabama, again, not a season to be ashamed of at all. When you think about the future for this football team, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner uh, definitely will be back on the defensive side. 
You got some decisions that have to be made at inside linebacker between Henry Toa Toa and Christian Harris. Christopher Allen also dealing with his injury situation from early in the season. We talked about Jamison Williams and John Mechie. Does Alabama, if both those guys come out, does Alabama go back to the portal here uh, after the new year? Never too late. Never too late. Did you feel good enough about the development you got from Ajay Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks and Treshawn Holden as a second-year guy that you feel like you can build on some of these guys if you have your top two wide receivers move on to the National Football League? You would think Slade Bolden's back for another year. Your tight ends uh, look to be in a situation where uh, they should be back. We'll see. Again, so much of this stuff we're going to find out about in the coming days, but just in terms of uh, uh, eligibility that's available to players still out there. And of course, offensively, it starts with Bryce Young at the quarterback position. You're going to miss a guy like Brian Robinson. Thought he was warrior-like in his performance on Monday night. Not a huge game for Brian, uh, but again, between catches and carries, up around 100 scrimmage yards. What happens with Maybe Trey Sanders. You got Jameer Gibbs that has come on board from Georgia Tech. You were already hearing some positive things about Jameer in the on-campus work leading up to Monday night's game against Georgia. Uh, He figures to be a very central figure uh, in that running back room for 2022. You got Jace McClellan. Uh, You've got Roy Dell Williams both coming off knee injury. So Kamar Wheaton. The hope, obviously, is that year two, just from a perspective of availability, that's where you start with Kamar Wheaton, the former five-star recruit in his own right. And so offensively, the offensive line, Evan Neal is projected as a top three, top five pick for next April's NFL draft. So you start there at left tackle and figure, we got to identify that guy going into the offseason. Transfer portals out there, too, for offensive linemen. You know, we've seen Alabama go JUCO for some offensive tackles in the past. James Carpenter was one of those guys. Landon Dickerson, uh, when we talk about the portal, obviously, a big addition a few years back. So, a couple of different avenues that Alabama could travel if it deems it necessary where the offensive line position is concerned with an emphasis on offensive tackle. Certainly, you would hope that between Tommy Brockermeyer, between J.C. Latham, uh, the tackle prospects that you brought in in the 2021 recruiting class. You continue to hope to see those guys emerge, but plenty of question marks uh, when you talk about more so the tackle positions on the offensive line. Exactly where does the line start at wide receiver? And then competition that you anticipate at the running back position. Defensively, we hit on some of those with Will Anderson, Dallas Turner coming back on the edges. Uh, Some of those young inside linebackers that you're going to continue to work with. What about Jalen Moody? If he needs to step forward, considering the possibilities of Christian Harris and or Henry Toa Toa moving on to the National Football League. Deontay Lawson is a young inside linebacker with a ton of promise. You've got some quality numbers there at inside linebacker. You're still trying to figure it out as far as experience goes, Uh, but those are some of the guys that you'll have your eyes on. And, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry took some lumps, man. 
down the stretch. And that's going to happen. I don't care what your recruiting ranking is. Uh, Five-star, four-star, three-star. At this level and and for what's asked of the corners in a Nick Saban, Pete Golding defense, you're going to get put out there. And and it's not always going to go well. But I think we saw enough from Kool-Aid to understand that the future is very bright for him. Kyrie Jackson, the junior college transfer coming back. And then, of course, Eli Ricks, the LSU transfer, jumping into that mix at corner as well. So still championship pieces, still a team, when you look at Alabama and Georgia coming out of Monday night, it's actually Alabama because of the quarterback situation, because of the impact players on defense. Uh, that you're going to look to as a preseason favorite to be right back in this very spot one year away. And here's what's happened, right? What has happened after Alabama has lost college football playoff national championship games? Lost to Clemson in January of 2017 in Tampa, right? In January of 2018, Alabama was celebrating a national championship in Atlanta, Georgia. So there is a history there of bouncing back from national championship game losses. If you want to look at uh, you know matchups that uh, you know that, that that bode well for Alabama, that's where that's where you could start. Alabama typically has responded well from disappointments on the big stage. So. I don't think that's likely to change anytime soon. Special teams probably haven't talked about enough uh, from Monday night. Uh, Will Reichert again with a strong performance in terms of field goals. He makes four or five attempts. He did have the 48-yarder in the third quarter blocked. Look like Georgia, some pretty good scheme from Georgia. Uh, and something that a lot of teams even with dedicated special teams coordinators and special teams analysts, uh, a good job of bringing two guys up the A-gap to the goalpost side of the formation in terms of Will Rikers on the right hash. So Georgia, from its right, brings two guys straight up that A-gap. And the second guy is able to get penetration and get enough of a push to get his hand up and get the block. But otherwise, Riker good from 37 twice, 45 once, and 21 once. James Burnup, four punts for a 37-yard average. Two of his boots were downed inside the Georgia 20. I thought as much as anything, the concern in both the games with Georgia, you were just more worried about protection and getting kicks out as much as anything else. Nothing for Alabama in the return game. Slade had a chance there on a return, I believe in the first half. And it wasn't one of Jake Camarda's best. And he has simply put Camarda, one of the very best punters in all of college football. But this one was an opportunity for Slade. And I'm not sure if he got so excited because he knew it himself, but he muffed the catch. And then ended up having to just jump on the football for a two-yard loss, and that snuffed out any potential return opportunity from uh, for, for Slade on that one. So 
Uh, special teams didn't exactly kill Alabama. You did have the 59-yard kickoff return by Kenny McIntosh for Georgia. Uh, you know, that wasn't uh, a good moment for Alabama special teams. You also had, a, I think, another return by McIntosh that was uh, – maybe it involved the hold with McIntosh on the long return. But you also had a kickoff go out of bounds. So kickoffs, for whatever reason, that I haven't been able to figure out, became more and more of an adventure for Alabama as the season wore on. Not exactly sure why, but that's kind of the way it, it worked for Alabama special teams. And so the Crimson Tide looks to uh, finish up the recruiting cycle in a positive fashion. Hank South, Tim Watts, our staff there at BamaOnline.com, we're going to have you clued in on all of that because, again, there are so many different angles you have to consider in terms of talent acquisition, whether it's the grassroots approach of high school players, even JUCO, uh, but then with the portal and the different avenues that you travel to find players now, you're going to want to keep it locked to us at BamaOnline.com for sure in the coming weeks as we get you ready for the late signing date on the first Wednesday in February 2022. Of course, you got a big basketball game at Coleman Coliseum on Tuesday night. Don't forget about that. The Auburn Tigers, fourth-ranked Auburn Tigers. Jabari Smith, the fab freshman for Auburn and the Auburn Tigers, travel to Tuscaloosa Tuesday night, 8 p.m. tip-off. That game will air on ESPN. The Crimson Tide looking to bounce back after a forgettable performance on the road against a subpar Missouri team. It happens. You know, it happens in college basketball. I don't I don't know if giving up 92 points to one of the very worst offenses in college basketball happens all that much, but it happened to Alabama last Saturday. The Crimson Tide will look to turn things around against rival Auburn on Tuesday night. Nate Oates 3-1 in his first four meetings with Bruce Pearl as Alabama head coach. So we're going to have all that for you as well. At BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, they're going to continue with the post-game coverage. I am going to do the same there at BOL. And you're going to move forward. You're going to be okay if you're an Alabama fan, right? I think for some Alabama fans, this year felt a little bit like house money. If we're being honest, felt a little bit like house money. Given the way this team was performing as late as really late November, I don't think a lot of Alabama fans, first of all, saw Alabama beating Georgia the first time around and winning an SEC championship. Uh, But then also to still have a shot in the fourth quarter, to be down one well into the fourth quarter with all the injuries that had amassed for this Alabama team. Between wide receiver, you're playing with some banged-up offensive linemen, you're down to one of your starting corners – who going into the season opener was probably your fifth corner and your other starting corner was maybe your fourth going into the season opener. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, pretty good run for this Alabama football team in 2022. That's going to do it for instant analysis. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. If you haven't already, we would appreciate you subscribing to the Bama Online Podcast. It's free, simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate it. 
Until next time, Travis Ryer thanking you once again. So long, everybody.